have a hat that's like red and plaid and has like one of those. It like goes off to the side and has like a little ball on top. It's also got it's also got red hair that comes out the sides of it. I gladly wear that. Daddy, look at that guy. You just need a kill. He's a real golfer. So they're praying to a different God. They're praying to the God of my wish list. You know, they're praying to the God who's healer, and that's it. And that's what they see. And so I'm sick, I'm going to pray, or my friend is sick, and I'm asking you to heal them. And that's all that God is to them, is like this genie in a, in a bottle. And that, to me, is a false God, or something that we rail on quite a bit. The God of, you know, the prosperity movement. That is a false God. Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. We're glad you could join us today for our discussion as we walk through the screw tape letters. Today, letter four, in which uh, screw tape is going to counsel Wormwood as to how to help disrupt this uh, new Christian's prayer life. So it's, uh, we're excited to dive into this topic today, and we're glad that you've joined us uh, for this discussion. Uh, Pastors of the Roundtable, of course, is the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, and it's brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC of Monroe, Michigan. Our goal together is to encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and to connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Sitting around the table with me today is our usual group. I've got Tim Michelangeli, lead pastor of MMBC, Scott Slater, family pastor here, Matt Bates, music and media pastor, and my name is Spencer Snow, discipleship pastor here at the church. Okay, guys, as we've been diving through and going through the screw tape letters, we've gone through three letters so far. Um, this is letter four, and this is the, the, the letter that's really going to uh, discuss the topic of prayer, talk about prayer and how to disrupt it in this this man's prayer life. Um, before we go into it and we talk about um, about how he can hinder prayer to this guy, uh, first of all, let's ask our question: the question, how important is prayer in the Christian life? And also, maybe before even doing that, what is prayer, and why is it so important for us as Christians. Can we just reference the prayer podcast? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we, we did do a podcast on that. Yes, we did. Prayer specifically. But I mean, prayer is something God has given us as a way to communicate to him and talk, talk with him, um, which is comforting knowing that he has a desire to hear from us. Um, God has made a way for us to do that. And it wasn't cheap. Right. The only way that we can pray to God the Father is through our mediator, Jesus Christ the Son, who's entered the Holy of Holies perfectly. And so we get to pray through Christ to the Father. And then we have been given the Holy Spirit that enables us to pray, that helps us to pray, that even Scripture says prays for us and the things that we... Interprets our groaning. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a lot going on in prayer that, sadly, um, we take for granted. I would say, maybe you guys are way above this, but I would say for most Christians, it's probably where we seem to lack 
the most is in our prayer life. It seems to be easier for some reason to read the Bible, mm-hmm. seems to be easier to do ministry stuff, you know, to yeah. give money to people or help people. Like those things seem to happen on their own even at, at mm-hmm. times. And prayer, though, is something that gets pushed aside or becomes just a side note of saying something really quick or I pray in the car on the way to work. And that's just, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you wonder how much is really sure. happening there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a vital thing that God has given us just not, I mean, for us, how much it does for us and speak, especially as we're praying correctly, praying according to scripture, how much God will saturate our hearts. Mm-hmm. I think with peace, you know, and he says that even in Philippians pray and ask for peace and I'll give you peace that passes all understanding through Christ. And that, how's that happen? Through prayer, through praying right. and seeking him. So right. it's a gift God's given us. Right. Prayers where we, we cast ourselves in dependence upon him yeah. Yeah. and we, we look to him for everything and we, we were, we honor him too as our father. Um, so prayer is really important. And that's why, that's why um, as Christians, that's going to be a, a temptation for us to destroy our prayer life, to not pray at all. And that's one of the things as we go into the screw tape letters here, um, letter four, in which screw tape is writing to his, uh, his nephew Wormwood. Um, one of the things he says here, he says, uh, the best thing where it is possible is to keep the patient, of course, this is the Christian man, from the serious intention of praying altogether. When the patient is an adult, Recently reconverted to the enemy's party, like your man, this is best done by encouraging him to remember, or to think he remembers, the parrot-like nature of his prayers in childhood. In reaction against that, he may be persuaded to aim at something entirely spontaneous, informal, in, excuse me, inward, informal, and unregularized. And what this will actually mean to a beginner will be an effort to produce in himself a vaguely devotional mood in which real concentration of will and intelligence have no part. So the first thing he says, if you're going to try to hinder this guy's prayer life, first thing you should do is encourage him to start trying to pray spontaneously, inwardly, informally, and unregularized. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys think so, about that? So kind of like what he's telling him to do is like just... Tell him not to have a specific time of prayer or try to keep Mm. him away from that. But to say, you know what, just as I go through my day, as things come up, I'll make sure that I pray for him. Right. And what we find, I think, when we say those things, even though that should be part of our life where we are spontaneous in Mm. prayer and doing that, but when that's our only form of prayer, it tends to not happen because we just just don't think about it. And it's not because we don't care about things, it's just... We gloss, we gloss over it, and it doesn't come to our mind. It doesn't become a regular habit. Mm-hmm. Um, prayer needs to be a, a discipline in our life, and as we discipline ourselves to that, and the Lord helps us with that, then it becomes a more natural outpouring. But this is a young Christian, like a, a new one, and that's mm-hmm. what that's what it, uh, Screw Tape is saying. Mm-hmm. Keep him away from the discipline side of a constant time of prayer. Yeah, help him just think he'll do it. Right. And even the subject matter, he says, whenever he does pray, help him to only to, to pursue a devotional mood, a devotional mood in which no real concentrate, concent, concentration, concentration <laughs> of will and intelligence have no part. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like I want you to ha- make him produce this feeling, this, um, 
set the mood right, right? So yeah. that way, no, no real thinking is going on here. No real pouring out of the heart is going on. It's just you're kind of feeling holy and feeling prayerful. Yeah, it's almost of, like you have this personality when you pray versus your normal personality, and like it changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of a sudden you say thou's and thou arts and these different words when you pray, and it's because you're trying to generate this mood. I think it's one of the dangers of listening to other people pray is you try to take on their prayer life maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, there's positives to listen to people pray too, I think, in learning how, but where you can try to take on these things of that person, which just isn't who you are, you know, and... Uh, when we pray, we need to be going to God as our as ourself. You know, right. I, I I'm Tim, and uh, this is how I talk, and I speak English. I don't need to speak some other language when I pray to God, mm-hmm. and you know, I have this accent from Michigan, and I use words like that other people don't use, pop, and you guys, and things like that, right? And I don't need to. God, I know you guys up there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, we don't have the same context in prayer where you'd say that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, right now, you guys are being jerked. <laughs> yeah. No, another th- I mean, another thing, too, like, so, for instance, one of the things he contrasts it from the parrot-like uh, nature of his prayers in childhood. And sometimes... Um, I think what can happen is we can denigrate childhood faith. Like the idea that a child can really start to believe. And you notice what he's saying is, I don't want to be like a kid, like I was when I was a kid. Because one of the things that can happen is children is like the Lord's Prayer, like learning that, right? Memorizing that. As, especially in our current religious climate, we, we, we equate memorizing like that prayer and even praying that prayer as, well, you're just formal. You're just doing that because you don't really care about the spirit of things. You're just being formal, and you're just doing that. That's dead religion. Mm-hmm. But I think that's one of the things that he is reminding us here, uh, through that's, that C.S. Lewis is, is reminding us through this, that just because something is feels spontaneous and it's all about you inwardly and it produces a good feeling doesn't mean it's real prayer. Mm-hmm. You can use this, I mean, you don't have to use the Lord's Prayer um, word for word, but there is definitely a, a benefit to saying when Jesus says, I want you to pray this way, this is the template he gave us, and we would be foolish to not use it if this is the way he taught his disciples to pray. Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying, and I think one of the things that we can do, especially in our current situation in religion, is is we think that everything has to be, um, if, if anything has any kind of... Um, regulation or pre-thought-out boundaries or or something like that, we, we view that as unreligious or unsincere, when in fact it can be very sincere and very thought out. Um, and, I, and I think it can be really true prayer. I find myself sometimes feeling guilty because my prayers sound similar a lot, that it becomes like just a parrot, you know, not not real yearnings from the heart or anything, because I'm just saying the same thing, but... Um, there is, I think, a, a truth to praying the same thing mm-hmm. every time. If again, if you if you mean it right, I think what mm-hmm. you're saying too is there's a positive to those prayers. There can be a negative, definitely. Right. Like trying to teach my kids right now, or even talk to them something like, when you pray and talk to God, I want you to really talk to Him. Don't just say thanks for having me. Have a good day. Help me to sleep good. I hope we have a good day tomorrow. Amen. Like that becomes habitual to them. Right. And maybe they really mean it. Like, we did have a good day. Thank you. 
but it just becomes the same thing every time mm-hmm. to, to trying to get them to understand what a conversation in prayer might look mm-hmm. like and how it can change. So there's a fine line there, I think, in our prayer life of being parrot-like, but our heart, our, I don't know how, what I'm, but not just becoming a mundane thing right. that we say. Over One here. of the things that I, I think uh, Lewis may talk about this in his book, A Mere Christianity, which I think is helpful, is that one of the, that our kids pretend. And one of the things my kids will do, like they'll play war outside or different. Right now they're into Star Wars. But one of the things he talk, <laughs> like Lewis talks about, is sometimes people will pretend things and they're not pretending in the negative sense, like when we say somebody's being fake and hypocritical. They're pretending. And what actually happens is, is whenever our kids are playing, for instance, cops and robbers, they don't realize it, but they're reenacting something that they're going to have to live out in the future which is a system of justice and living in society. Or maybe um, you, are, you might have kids that play um, house even or something like that. The point is, is they're seeing adults look act like this and they're starting to act, pretend that way down below. What I mean whenever I'm saying this is that whenever we start praying, if you start praying these prayers like from the scripture, Paul's prayers, or, or use the scripture in your own life, you'll find that whenever you take the word outside of you that's in the book and you start praying according to it, that your heart will actually change as well. Whenever you take these things, you're actually you're actually being changed by the prayers. One of the things about prayers, it's not simply me offering something to God. Mm-hmm. It's also God changing me. Mm-hmm. And whenever we pray according to his will, we find actually our hearts are being brought into alignment with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that example helps at all it helped me but <laughs> sure. maybe it maybe it yeah. confuses people a lot more but i think one of the things is is whenever we we get afraid of of these regularized things and formal things and it makes us scared but i think that they can also be helpful for us if we're using them the right way like what, to eventually change our hearts because that's what the the external word does yeah the external word of god on the page then changes me it's not the opposite way that right. things work. Yeah. I don't come, and then the word, you know, it, it, it comes to me from outside. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anything I've just said makes any it sense. It does. I mean, I think, I think <laughs> in the culture that I was raised church-wise, you pushed against formality almost. It seemed like here, I grew up here, the most formal time I felt in the life of our church was when we would do the Lord's mm-hmm. Supper. It seemed like something formally was happening that was confusing. Right. And business meetings, because all of a sudden people were saying like "brother moderator" and this stuff, and I'm like, I don't even know what's happening. <laughs> Out of order. <laughs> yeah, there's all these words going on, but but the rest of it seemed like we want to push against order because if you have this formal setting, you're venturing into the world of Catholicism, deadness and deadness. Yeah, and and so there was kind of this push to be spontaneous or to be spirit led you might hear something like that and um what i've what i've come to realize is god has placed things in order on purpose and to say that his order is wrong is a wrong statement right or or to start saying well that means of how you work isn't enough for people today so we're going to add this and we're going to do this and uh, that becomes very dangerous because then you lose the power behind what God has given us in mm-hmm. worship or in sharing the gospel, uh, how he works, these different sure. things, including prayer, right? It, mm-hmm. it, it, and so there's a, there's a great danger. Now, uh, 
you can take the formal stuff too far too, you know, where it does just become sure. kind of like a ritual and it sure. just becomes something that's not sure what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can see it. I, I think, I mean, just to bring it home, like to life here, I, I definitely can see that in my yeah. own life of how you get nervous of the formal stuff. Cause you start thinking, I think this is fake. Right. I don't know if this is really real. And it seems like they're making that, you know, it doesn't seem genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to be careful of that. Right. So there's dangers on both ends. Yeah. Because you can be dangerous on planning too much. Mm-hmm. And that's really what he's trying to, I think, emphasize the fact that it's okay to plan your prayers. Right. And you can, that can be a danger. But also there's the danger, which I think in uh, evangelical circles is, is that we, we think if it's spontaneous and casual and I think I interpreting myself as being sincere, that's okay. Yeah. That's not okay either. That can be a danger as well. Like we might look at the Muslims' calls to prayer right. as being fake and this or that, but to be honest, wouldn't be a bad thing probably if we had regular said, times. We're going to have regular times where we pray, right. and if I'm not taking it seriously, that's a hard issue for me. That doesn't right. mean the times of prayer is a bad thing, right? Right. That becomes a heart issue for me. Or if I start to think. These times of prayer is what's equaling my salvation. Yeah. And I, if I miss right. one, I'm in trouble. Right. That's a problem, That's a problem. too, because now we're looking at it That's too far the other way. So, Good. So he talks about encouraging spontaneousness, uh, inwardness, uh, always looking at yourself, informalness, unregularized. Then eventually he says as well, encourage the man to not care about his physical posture. Now, we know prayer is... Um, it, you can pray standing up, sitting down. We've, I think we've gone through some of this before. Mm-hmm. But one of the things, it is an interesting point that Screwtape um, uh, will write to him and says, you know, one of the things that, that we don't realize that we forget is that we are body and soul, basically. He says, mm-hmm. you know, they're animals, I think. Yeah. But yeah. the point is, is, and his point is, we have body and soul. So what happens to our bodies does affect to some degree mm-hmm. the, our souls and what mm-hmm. we're feeling and how we're thinking. Mm-hmm. Can we sometimes neglect that? Um, and is there, are there postures that, while not more holy, could be more conducive to proper prayer and be more helpful to prayer? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, if you approach God in prayer by keeping your eyes open, looking up into, into the heavens and holding your hands open wide, <clears throat> as opposed to sitting down bowing your head, closing your eyes. One of those kind of, I think, would make me feel in more submission mm. to God and that my prayer would be uh, in more along those mm. lines and that heart um, where uh, I think, I don't know exactly where it is in the scriptures, but of the man that didn't couldn't even look into heaven mm-hmm. to approach God. I'm not saying that's wrong to pray like that. Right? Sure. We're not coming up with these legalistic rules right. in this conversation, but... It's just that, like, that has other, I think maybe, like, a way to look at it is somebody else, if somebody else were watching you, mm. what would they think? Like, what mm-hmm. would come into their mind, mainly? Mm. Uh, um, just thinking along those lines. So, I mean, it changes the way I pray, I mm. think. You know, like, I think, too, um, when we're at home and it's, like, just me and Alicia or if we're doing family worship and the kids are there, if we're sitting on our couches, like, we have reclining couches, 
you know, I'm sure we don't pray as good. Everyone put we, up your front. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's like if our feet are up, we're not really thinking that much about like what we're praying. We're just kind of chilling or whatever, you know. But like if we were to actually, like if, just think about what would it communicate to my kids if, okay, we're, we're done reading, let's pray. Okay, the footrest goes down mm. and we bend over to pray. Mm. I think that might communicate that what we're doing is a little bit more important mm. and we're wanting to be a little bit more serious, yeah. you know, in what we're doing right here. Yeah. I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. just shooting at the word. That's here, good. But. I think posture sometimes is dependent on what the prayer is. You know, if, if I'm coming to the Lord in repentance, my posture might look different than when I'm coming to the Lord ecstatic in praise of a blessing or an answered prayer that I've been mm. praying for for a long time. You know, the, the posture could definitely be, be different, you know, some, Sometimes just bowing your head. The repentance thing, that's what comes to my mind. Almost like on my knees, bowing my head, unworthiness. Um, but again, understanding he wants you to come to him like that. Right. But then an answered prayer might be different. It might be the looking to the heavens, like hands up, just very thankful mm. and praiseworthy. Um, and, and I don't think either is wrong, right? Right. Um, but there are, like you said, just common sense <laughs> things you shouldn't get cozy on the pillow and bundled up and you got your little heater blanket on and you're getting nice and warm like now i'm going to pray have you been no you're not <laughs> <laughs> it's like i'm going to fall asleep now uh, give me my hot chocolate and <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm ready to yeah. pray now <laughs> um, just i think there's just some common sense sure, stuff sure. to that I, th- I think it's just something that to take into account right there's sure. not a just be aware that, well, i mean uh, just like i mean a couple that <clears throat> You know, they recognize that it's a good thing for them to pray together, and so mm-hmm. they've determined that let's just pray together before we go to sleep every night. Okay, well, that's a good goal to have. I mean, but if you're laying, if you're literally laying in bed and you say, "Okay, you ready to pray? Let's pray," like that's you're probably going to be. It's after a long day. You're going to be comfortable. You're going to want to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Your prayers are probably going to be shorter. You're probably going to be like, "Okay, let's get this over with." As opposed to if the posture you had during that time of prayer was, let's go sit at the table hmm. and pray together, and then we're going to go to bed. Sometimes you know, I just think that like yeah. the your attitude in approaching it will be impacted by that. I just thought about this too, and your posture oftentimes is going to be connected to whether or not you've planned this. Like if you've if you've actually thought about, I want to pray. Rather than just being spontaneous, sure. you know, like you can watch, you can pray while you're watching TV theoretically. I mean, theoretically, oh, you could... Oh, please catch his pass. Catch pass. Yeah. I know <laughs> De- Detroit Lions <laughs> fans. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> the Detroit Lions fans have been praying for a long time. Yeah. But, keep uh, yeah, keep it up. Keep up the prayers. But, um, yeah, anyway. No, I okay. mean, in just in a more general way, like, even in schools, like, they used to scold you for slouching. You know, so how are you going to pay attention in, in school and learn things when you're slouching and falling asleep in your in your class? You're not going right. to. So, you know, generally applied, like this is, I think it's a very good thing to that screw tape kind of points out and mm-hmm. reveals to us that we need to be intentional, like mm. you were saying, Spencer. We need to be intentional, uh, whether it's praying or, uh, you know, whatever we're doing, like let's, the posture needs to reflect the, the purpose behind sure. whatever we're doing, whether it's learning, praying, or sleeping. Right. Why would you stand up when you're trying to sleep? 
Right. Like that doesn't make sense. Right. Unless you're in the Navy SEALs or something uh, like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Which I've never been in the Navy SEALs. Me neither. So. Me neither. <laughs> Scott didn't say no. So. <laughs> I watched the show one time. <laughs> I, the show. I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. So encourage the man to pray spontaneously. Encourage the man to not care about his physical posture. Uh, eventually, I'll just throw this line out. We won't talk about it. But he says, It is funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. And then he uh, says eventually about hindering his prayer life, the third thing, turn the man's gaze from God to himself. Now, this I th- point, I think, is very important. Um, he says eventually, he says, uh, keep them watching their own minds and trying to produce feelings there by the action of their own wills. When they meant to ask him for charity, let them instead start trying to manufacture charitable feelings for themselves and not notice that this is what they are doing. When they meant to pray for courage, let them really be trying to feel brave. When they say they are praying for forgiveness, let them be trying to feel forgiven. Teach them to estimate the value of each prayer by their success in producing the desired feeling. And never let them suspect how much success or failure of that kind depends on whether they are well or ill, fresh or tired at the moment. Thoughts? I mean, I have found in my life when I'm, when I'm doing well with prayer, if I can say it that way, like when prayer seems to be going well in my life and consistent and focused, that, uh, yeah, it's not so much about me. Mm that my prayers seem to be more focused on him or it's scripture driven, you know, like we've talked about praying the Psalms and stuff. And so you're, you're focusing on what this passage is saying and, and speaking to God in light of that. And it seems to mostly be him focused, not me focused. And even when I'm praying for other people or even things in my life, it's not so much central on my desires or, the petty things seem to go away. It seems to be more, again, him focused of like, mm-hmm. God, my children, help them to honor you and everything because this is who you are. And if this is true, that's what's best for them. Instead of praying, you know, maybe for some specific things of happiness and things in their life, which I'm not saying is a wrong thing to pray about, but it just becomes more, more him focused. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about like feelings within prayer, which he mentions, uh, the feelings I think that God fills you with as you become more focused on him seem to be more honest feelings and true feelings and actually more joyful, more joyful feelings because it it really separates the things of this world, you know, that I seem to focus on that can really bring me down to focus on who he is and what he has done and what he is doing and been doing. And it really can change your mood it can change your attitude when you're focused how you're supposed to be and so but then in in flip of that you know when when your prayers are more centralized on yourself and you're just thinking about your day and you're praying about this thing and that and you you know what i mean it's just Mm -hmm. again not not necessarily bad you know to pray for the meeting to go good and for this and help me i gotta you know to do this today and my kids have a game help them at their game and keep them i'm not saying those are bad things but it can become more me centric Mm -hmm. um the worries don't seem to be lifted 
Yep. You know what I mean? The the cares of this world don't seem to go anywhere. It's like, well, I gave them to you, but I don't feel I'm going away, as opposed to when the prayers are more God-centric. Right. I do feel those cares go away. Right. Like I'm elevated to understand the bigger things mm-hmm. that are going on in reality, not right. just these things I'm focused on. So I don't know. That's that's what I get from there, trying to weigh weigh the patient down with himself. Right. You know, ultimately, he's throwing him back on the patient's own resources, mm-hmm. and that's the temptation. Uh, uh, we're, we're naturally curved back in on ourselves. It makes it seem like what he's wanting him to do is not see prayer as making a petition to God, mm-hmm. but as like a little like pep talk that you give mm-hmm. yourself. Yep. You know, like trying to will yourself into doing the thing that you know you should be doing, mm-hmm. and. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where it's like you're you're focusing on your feelings and like yeah. trying to do it on your own power, right? Um, and so, and like the success, that's where like he says, uh, estimate the value of each prayer by their success in producing the desired feeling, and never let them suspect how much success or failure of that kind depends on whether they are well or ill, fresh or tired at the moment. And so, it's just if that's how you're approaching prayer. If you're praying in order to make yourself feel a certain way, like I, I'm anxious about this scenario. Mm-hmm. I'll feel better if I pray about it. Wrong. Mm. You might not. That, that shouldn't be why you pray mm-hmm. is that you feel better. You might ask God to feel better. Right. But, you know, that's not why you should pray about something that you're anxious about. You should pray because you believe that God can help mm. this or pray that you would trust him more. And so I don't know if that's a great example to use yeah, in that situation is. or not, but, I just think that's this is a person approaching prayer as a little pep talk. Yeah, and the ironic thing is, is prayer rather than becoming an expression of our dependence and our inability to produce anything, and looking to God to do everything becomes us in a in a weird way. We don't realize we're doing it, but we're trying to do this. We're trying to be self saviors. Mm-hmm. We're trying to produce the action by our will wills when actually what we're to say is your will be done not my will where so prayer is is the ultimate expression of the fact that we can't change anything and i sometimes you get the impression when people say you know well we need to this needs to change so we need to pray about it and you can almost get the feeling sometimes that people feel like if we gang up on god with a certain number of people he'll have to change and so we get we get all the people in this church praying, well, we gang up on God, and God will have to hear our prayers then, as if prayer is about mm. us changing God. Mm. That's not what prayer is about. Prayer is about me being brought back into submission as his child under him and his plan and his will and his purpose. Mm. It's, it's about me expressing my dependence upon him, mm-hmm. not my actions that I'm going to perform for him. And so actually prayer can become a bondage then because we're sitting there, we're praying, and every single time we're trying to work up the right feelings, the right motivations, the right thoughts. And I think there are certain types of people um, that can be prone to that, and I'll include myself like that because I think certain there's a certain breed of people that can be especially prone to be introspective, and they just, they just sit there and, they're, and you're trying to figure it all out in your minds. And that's dangerous and that's deathly because you cannot figure out God. Instead, you have to trust Him to do it all. Mm-hmm. And um, so, anyway, I think that that's what I think that's it's very helpful um, to to really then realize 
I just, I just mentioned the prayer to God. I let God be God. I let him do his thing. Yeah, because we're not saying, you know, you can't go to God with desires and no. like these things. Jesus himself in the garden, right, would pray, let this cup pass from me. We've been there before, not where Christ is at and experiencing right. that, but like where we're saying, you know, I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. God, let this pass. Like, yeah. let it work out somehow. And we, that's okay to pray that. But we have to remember Jesus then said, but not my will, let your will be done. And, and so that submission there in that prayer, like you said, is not us manipulating God hmm. to force him into something. I used to think that I remember as a kid, like, I got to be so specific, specific in my prayer because if there's a loophole, God's going to find it <laughs> and he's going to make sure it doesn't right, happen, right? right? So I want to be super specific here with what yeah. I want, you know, or yeah. what I'm looking for. Yeah. And that was an immaturity, right? But I think we can easily get caught up right. in that right. because it is just a wish. Our, our prayer is right. just us submitting things to God and saying, please, right. please answer them right. when it's not. It's what you said. It's it's us submitting to him and remembering that. As father too, right? Yes, it's interesting. Father, yeah. you, it's funny you say that because I think a lot of us, every single one of us still struggles with that suspicion that God is nothing other than a lawyer and a yeah. judge trying yeah. to convict me. Right, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And he is a judge, but for those who are in Christ who receive the free gift of the propitiation of the sins that he gives, he's your dad. He's your father now, mm-hmm. and you're his child. And um, he wants what's best for you now. Mm-hmm. And and it takes our whole earthly lives to flip that, to get rid of the one image and put in the other. Um, so, okay, really good. So three things so far. T- and the last thing here is turn the man's gaze from God to himself. So turn him back to himself and all of the things that he's doing and all the things he's feeling at the time in the prayer. Lastly, he says, whenever he's praying, keep his focus upon his own images and ideas of God and not the real God. He wants him to really turn his attention from who God really is to all these things he is. He says here, he says, you know, I want you to focus him upon any kind of composite object, anything of this world that you can. So if you can get him to pray to a picture of maybe Jesus during on the earth or get him to think about in his mind or in his heart to think about what God looks like or to get him to pray to his own feelings and subjective experiences about God's holiness that you think is God's holiness and then put that on God and pray to that. Or he says eventually, even something that's located on a wall in a corner or in our heads. Um, he has this great quote, then he says, You must keep him praying to it, to the thing that he has made, not to the person who has made him. Is there a danger that we can pray to a false god but think we're praying to the true God? Yeah, sadly, I think it happens the majority of the time when people pray. Not necessarily that they're thinking of a picture of Jesus or God or something like that and praying to that. I I don't mean that, but that they don't really know who God is according to the scriptures. They fail. And when Jesus says, this is how you pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. They don't understand what that means. You know, and so they're praying to a different God. They're praying to the God of my wish list. 
You know, they're praying to the God who's healer, and that's it, mm-hmm. and that's what they see. And so I'm sick, I'm going to pray, or my friend is sick, and I'm asking you to heal them. And that's all that God is to them, is like this genie in a in a bottle. And that, to me, is a false God, mm-hmm. or something that we rail on quite a bit, the God of, you know, the prosperity movement. That is a false God, the the God who just wants to bless you all the time because of how good you are and wants to give you good things and just always cares about your happiness and mm. this about you, your best life at this moment. That's not what we see in Scripture. We have a Father that cares for us, yes. We have a Father that blesses us. I don't, I don't know anybody in this church who couldn't say, God, you know, God blesses me. Every, we all have, we see these blessings, so we, we can't deny it. But when we start treating him as just this giant up there who blesses us and just cares about us and our glory and our honor all the time and our well-being, that's, that's a false God because that's not the God of the scriptures, right? We are to glorify him and magnify his name, and he's a, a jealous God, right? And he wants to be honored and glorified. He knows that's what's best for us even, to honor and glorify him and it subtly has gotten twisted. And so then people, I believe, are not praying to God the Father in heaven, hallowed be his name. It's instead more a God of self. And we disobey what we teach our kids when they're three years old to have no other God. Or like I always mocked, I I don't want to say mock, that's really harsh, but to not have an idol. I was like, who's dumb enough to carry an idol in their pocket and think that that's their God? I'm like, that does not exist anymore today. But we do have that. Yeah. Spencer shows me his phone. Is that what you prayed? It's in my pocket. You prayed to Alexa? (laughs) (laughs) Siri? No. No. Yes. Um, But, you know, I mean, honestly, I would mock that as a kid. I'm like, nobody's that dumb. They're going to carve it. This is my my God. But, But now, understanding more and hopefully being a little wiser, we sculpt things in our minds of God, and that is what we hold on to. Yeah. And when when that God doesn't start acting how we think, we right. have a problem. Right. 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 We start to get frustrated. We right. start to get angry. We start to doubt. We start to question his goodness mm-hmm. and all these different things. And all along, the answer is, that's not who God is. Right. Right? You've mistaken all right. along. Right. Now, the root of idolatry really is the desire to think that we can manipulate God. We want a God we can manipulate and control. And the reality is, is God cannot be manipulated. He's infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. There's a lot of money in idol making. Right. I mean, just like, you know, Paul would have to deal with those who are making idols. Right. Right? And they kicked him out of town because why? You're hurting our business here. We used to make a lot of money off of this, and he had to speak against it. That's what we see now. Right. The celebrity pastor thing, the books out there that just talk about how to better yourself and how to do this and how God is here for you. That There's big money in that. Mm-hmm. And, and to be honest, it is easy. I mean, it's so easy to tell people that. If people come into your office or someone really comes to you and lays things out, it's so easy to say, you know, you'll be all right. right. It's okay. Right. God loves you and it's going to be fine. He, right. You know, th- that is so easy to say. Right. And I would love if that was what could be said right. all the time. Right. 
but it's just that's not true right right and it and 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 no matter if we are thinking we're following the prosperity gospel or if we're thinking we're conservative christians mm -hmm. the the temptation is and we just got to be aware of it that's why god gave us the second commandment is that we're going to try to fashion god according to our own ideas yeah i mean that's that's paul romans one professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. They eventually serve the creature rather than the creator. That's our tendency as sinners now is to try to manipulate, control, create God in our image. Mm -hmm. And we just have to be aware of that in prayer. I think even as believers, we still have to fight that. Yeah. That's why it's so important that we go to the scriptures to pray. Mm -hmm. and pray with an open Bible because I don't want to pray out of my own ideas about God. Right. I, I mean, one of the things we fight, too, is like rules, being driven by rules. We like that. We're comfortable right. in that environment. I can control them. Tell me these five things I need to do to get to right. heaven, and I'll, I will work my tail off to do that, right? <laughs> right. That, that's right. easy, right. and it's easy for us as leaders. And people will show up to hear it. Yeah, right. But then when you're like, oh, God gives grace. Right. He actually, it's a free gift. Right. It's nothing you do. And all of a sudden, it's like, no. That's not practical. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like that would be the best news ever to hear. Like, right. no, it's free. Right. No. No, right. no, 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 right. no, no, no. Right. I don't believe that. It's, right. it's really a difficult thing. And, and we just set up these idols, right? We set up these little yeah. false gods that make us feel comfortable, that make us feel better about ourselves. Empowered. Yeah. And uh, it's right. sad because it, it leads us to miss a real right. intimate time with the true God. Prayer. Right. And that's ultimately who we're praying to. We're praying to somebody who's different from us and uh, to one who is, um, we can't see, we can't touch right now because um, Christ is in heaven, um, but we know he's there and we pray to him knowing that he knows us um, better than we know ourselves and we know him. So, well, good, guys. Thank you so much for talking about this today. We talked about these, these hindrances to prayer. We hope you've enjoyed this at home. We're glad you've joined us to talk about letter four here of the Screwtape Letters. We'll continue next week, and we will actually be looking at letters five through seven. We'll be going over those letters and pulling from each of those letters, um, one topic from each, actually. So uh, join us next week. We thank you so much for listening to us, and we hope you have a, a blessed week. Take care. God bless. God bless.